broken promises lead to broken trust. I remember when I was a, a kid growing up in church, I had a friend who had a pool, and I did not. And I remember at the beginning of one summer, he said to me, um, Wait, I, I should have you over and, and go swimming this summer. And I got very excited about that because I didn't get to swim very often as I was growing up. My parents just didn't, didn't take me for that. So I was like, wow, this is so cool. I'm going to get to go swimming at my friend's house. And so summer, like, came and continued and went, and I never got any follow-up invitation. And I got to tell you, I mean, I felt, I felt betrayed by that I mean, because that was something I was really looking forward to. It sounds silly now, but, you know, I was really looking forward to it. And if I could remember who that was, I wouldn't trust them anymore. But I, I, I don't remember, and that's just as well, and it's all kind of water under the bridge. It's okay. But you have someone, no doubt, in, in your life that you've had a similar experience with and probably over a much more significant issue. I mean, maybe you, you took a job with an employer who, who promised you a certain set of compensation and benefits, and you got into your role and discovered that's not what you're, you're getting. Or you got into your role and you discovered that your role isn't what you thought it was going to be. And so your, your trust then is, is broken. Maybe you've loaned money to a friend and they keep telling you, oh, I'm going to pay you back. I'm going to pay you back when I get my tax return. They're, they keep kind of kicking the can down the road and they're just not following through on their, their promise. And so that, that leaves you not, not trusting them. For some of you, you've had a spouse who made promises to you, actually stood in front of people and made promises to you to, to stay with you through sickness, through health, through good times, through bad times, and they, they broke that promise. Some of you have, have experienced broken promises in church. You've, you, you've come to church thinking, hoping that you're going to be accepted. Someone told you that. That's, that's what happens in church, that you're accepted and, and loved. And what you discovered instead was, was condemnation. Or you came to a church hoping, believing that the leaders of that church were going to be people of integrity, so the way they handle finances or the way they handle their personal life, and you thought you would be able to trust them, and that turned out not to be the case. Maybe you're here this morning, you've been out of church for many years because you got burned, and you're coming back just to try it out uh, again and just see if maybe anything has changed. I mean, we, we get very burned when we, when we trust someone, they don't keep their promises, and the, the natural response to that is to say, I'm going to withdraw I'm going to put some walls up, and I'm just going to say, I guess I really can't trust the people around me. Sometimes we feel like God himself is not keeping his promises to us. I mean, we, we read in Proverbs that if we live life right, if we seek after God, if we seek after wisdom, that life is going to go well, that we're going to be prosperous that we're going to have harmonious relationships, that things are going to be smooth. And we look at our life and we say, that's not happening. We hear Jesus say that he came, that we might have life and have it to the full. And we say, yeah, my life is full. It's full of problems. It's full of irritating people. I mean, is that what Jesus meant? And so especially when life is hard, over an extended period of time, our endurance gets tested, our faith gets tested, and it's, it's really hard to trust God at times. And so this morning, I want us to look at God's 
faithfulness, um, even when sometimes he doesn't seem to be keeping his promises. If you would take a Bible and turn to Lamentations chapter 3, that's where we're going to be this morning. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one on a seat close to you, and Lamentations is on page 767. If you don't have a Bible, please take that one with you, because that's, that's our gift gift to you. Uh, we're finishing a series this morning talking about the real God. And so if you haven't been with us over the last two months for, for eight weeks, we've been talking about different attributes of God, what he is like. And so if you missed any of those messages, those are all available online uh, through our podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast. And also something else that's available online is uh, you can listen to Chip Ingram, a, a pastor out in California, uh, segments of his messages on each of these topics as well through our Right Now Media account. If you don't have a Right Now Media account, go to our website and the media page, and you can request there a Right Now Media account, and we can help you get set up with that. And then you can watch segments. If you're in a small group, then you've probably been watching those video segments from, from Chip as he talks about these different topics that we've been looking at. We're ending today talking about God's faithfulness. And I think this is a really appropriate one to end on because it's, it's very personal. Because our trust determines our intimacy. Trust determines intimacy. So if we don't trust someone, we're not going to feel very close to them. There's some of God's attributes that we've looked at that don't necessarily feel very personal. So when we look at God's sovereignty when we look at his wisdom, when we look at his justice, those don't necessarily make us feel close to God. But when we talk about God's faithfulness, if we can't trust him to keep his word, then we're not going to feel very, very close to him. So I think it's appropriate for us to end on this today. So I want to give you a little context of Lamentations before we read the verses that we're going to look at here this morning. So Lamentations, as you might imagine, is a pretty heavy book. I mean, think about it. Lament. Lamentations. It's a heavy, sad book. And, and the reason it's so heavy and sad is because the prophet Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, uh, was living in the city of Jerusalem, which had been overrun by their enemies, the Babylonians. It had, it had been wrecked. And so I want you to um, imagine with me, kind of put yourself in Jeremiah's shoes for just a moment. And I want you to imagine that, that Newtown got attacked. Okay, now I know that's kind of hard to imagine, and I don't, I don't know why Newtown would be attacked, but let's just say that Newtown got attacked by New Jersey, okay? <laughs> I, I don't know why New Jersey would attack them, but there's a lot of things that I don't understand about New Jersey. So let's just say that they came across and they said, we're going to wipe this place out. And so they come across with their tanks, a couple bombs, and they're like, you know, kind of wreaking havoc and taking a lot of the people out of the town, and they're removing them, they're relocating them. And they leave a few people, a little bit of a remnant behind. That is what Jeremiah's situation was. Okay, so Jeremiah is waking up every day and he's looking at ruins around him. He's, he's looking for food. I mean, imagine you're going to the grocery store, you're going to the Acme and there's nothing there to eat. Imagine that the people that you love have been displaced now and taken and you're left behind, and all you have is memories of how normal life used to be. 
That's Jeremiah's life, and that helps explain why we read things like we read here in chapter 3, starting in verse 1. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. So we should pause here and clarify who Jeremiah is talking about. Because he says, I'm the man who's seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. Who's he? Well, there's two possibilities. One could be his enemy. So the Babylonians who came in, they ransacked, they, they wrecked through the place. The other possibility, though, is that he's talking about God. And if we had time to read the whole way through the book of Lamentations, we would see that he's talking about God here. Because actually the Babylonians were just a tool, believe it or not, in God's hands to come in and carry out God's will, which we'll talk more about in a few minutes, in the city of Jerusalem and to bring this devastation. So when Jeremiah is talking here, this is really personal between him and God. Let's read that again with that in mind. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. Okay, we, we won't read any further there right now. We won't read the whole chapter because it's, it's, it's pretty down. But I, I bet some of you can relate to Jeremiah or at some point in your life you've been able to relate to the things he's talking about. Like this is hard and it feels like God is against me. And so this is just, he's down, but what you got to give him is he's honest. So he's just gut level, this is where I'm at, this is really hard. And we see this not only in Lamentations, we see this if you read the Psalms. The Psalm writer is over and over again just gut level honest. This is hard. God, where are you in the midst of this? And so being honest with God many times leads to a turnaround in our perspective, and that's what we see if we jump down to verse 16. So he continues with his angst. Jeremiah says, he has made, God has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. Those are bitter things. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. See, this is, this is quite a turnaround in his, in his attitude. I mean, he goes from feeling in the dumps to looking at God's faithfulness. 
And it's natural for him to feel down in the dumps because when life is hard and we're looking at the things that surround us, it's easy to just get focused on those things and forget what is good about life, what is good about God, because all we're looking at is all of the bad, all the brokenness and all of what is messed up. So we have to be intentional like Jeremiah is in verse 21. He says, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. This I call to mind. The Hebrew verb there says, this I cause to return to my mind. It's very intentional because the easy thing is when you've got brokenness and messed up world around you, that's the easy thing to focus on. It's right at eye level. You have to be intentional to say this, I cause, I have to cause something different to return to my mind and then we will have hope. See, what, what I want us to see here this morning is that we have a choice to either sink in our circumstances or focus on God's faithfulness. We can sink in our circumstances. That's the easy, natural, by default thing to do or we can focus on God's faithfulness. These, these verses that we're looking at here this morning, uh, verses 22 and 23, these are some of the most comforting verses that in, in the whole Bible. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We, these are so comforting that we see these coming up all the time on, on Facebook posts, right? And are floating around in, in emails. And we always see them on these beautiful pictures, oftentimes of like a sunrise, because they're new every morning, right? Or, or like this beautiful landscape. It's all these peaceful settings. God, your mercies are new every morning. Well, what we have to remember is that when these words were written, the, the writer is looking at ruins. I mean, this is really more likely what the picture should look like, is when we're in the midst of ruins that we are, call, we are deliberately calling to mind something that is true about God and his faithfulness, which is not easy to do when everything around us is, is broken. So he says in verse 21, this I call to mind and therefore I have, therefore I have hope. And that hope there is not fluffy pie in the sky hope like I sure hope it's warmer this week than it was last week. I do hope that. This is not that kind of hope. This is sure, steadfast, take it to the bank, hope. I have a hope in the future that is based on what God is like and what God has promised. And I believe that he will keep his promises. So we can sink in our circumstances or we can focus on God's faithfulness. During this series, over these last eight weeks, if you've been participating in this, you have been exposed to and you've been learning about a lot of God's goodness, a lot of good things about God's character, okay? You've been, you've been coming at that. Uh, if you've been really deep involved in this, you've been hearing about it on Sunday morning. You've been hearing about it in your small group. You have a workbook that you've been working through on your own at home. And so you've just been doused in all of that stuff. And it's been awesome. And you've probably been super encouraged by some of the things that you have been, you've learned over the last couple of weeks. Okay, that's the last eight weeks. In the next eight weeks, you're going to forget all of it. If you are not intentional about going back and 
reviewing it because your world is still going to be broken around you and you're going to have ruins that you're looking at in various parts of your life and it is really easy to get fixated on those and to sink into those circumstances you're going to have to be intentional so here's what here's an assignment for you is to take your workbook that big purple workbook that you've been working through and there's several empty pages at the end of that workbook take one of those empty pages and just take 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and go back and think through what are the things that God taught me over these last two months about who he is that I need to cling on to and hold on to over the next eight weeks. And just make a summary page of those things that you can easily go to and refer to every day and just remind yourself, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. You have to be intentional about those things. Jeremiah is very intentional. Um, and he has to be because the, the circumstances around him are very discouraging. See, the faithfulness of God inspires certainty in us. That word faithfulness, actually the core meaning of that in the Hebrew is certainty. It's like, take it to the bank. I believe that God will be faithful to what he has promised. And, and so when we see that word in verse 23, I mean, every, every line prior to that just reinforces this idea. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Do you realize what that means? That means God's steadfast love and his mercies are never exhausted that's so hard for us to wrap our minds around because everything in our life and our experience gets exhausted. Our money gets exhausted. Our energy gets exhausted. Our patience gets exhausted. Our kindness gets exhausted. Everything that we know gets depleted. In fact, Jeremiah said that, if you remember, back in verse 17 and 18, he said, my soul is bereft of peace. My peace is exhausted. I've forgotten what happiness is. That's exhausted too. So I say my endurance is exhausted too. See, everything we experience gets depleted and exhausted, but God's Steadfast love and mercy, it's never exhausted. It's never depleted. It's new every morning. Imagine, okay, your gas tank in your car gets exhausted. I mean, and if you're not careful, it'll leave you along the road somewhere. Okay, anybody? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. So um, your gas tank gets exhausted. Imagine if every morning when you get up to get into your car, your gas tank is full again. It's just full. It's filled up overnight. That's God's love and mercy. Every morning when you get up, it's back on full. It's full again because of his great faithfulness. And Jeremiah has to intentionally keep bringing his focus back. Look, look at the intentionality here in verse 24. He says, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. He doesn't say he'll hope in his bank account, not in his best friends, not in his, any other circumstance, a spouse, any, anybody else. I will hope in the Lord. The Lord is my portion. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, there's intentionality there. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. 
The Babylonians who overran Jerusalem, they used that phrase, bear the yoke, to, to talk about subservience. So when they went in to take over a city or, or a country, they wanted everyone bearing their yoke. They, they're under their foot. And so Jeremiah says, it's good to bear the yoke. Because God has a different meaning for the phrase bear the yoke. And it, and it has to do with discipline. It has, it's a picture of God's love for us that he would discipline us. See, that's, that's actually what's going on in Jerusalem. That's what God is doing in Jerusalem. He's bringing discipline on them. See, God is actually keeping a promise that he made because he told his people that if you obey me, if you keep me first in your life, then things will go well for you. But if you worship other gods, things will not go well. See, God is keeping his promise in front of Jeremiah's eyes that he made back in Deuteronomy chapter 8 when he said, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. And God promised and warned his people over and over and over again, if, if you disobey, if you go after other gods, this is what's going to happen. He was just keeping his promise. In fact, Jeremiah recognizes that. If you look back to chapter 2, Lamentations two seventeen, he says, the Lord has done what he purposed. He has carried out his word, which he commanded long ago. He has thrown down without pity. He has made the enemy rejoice over you and exalted the might of your foes. See, God is actually keeping a promise in the devastation of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah recognizes that. And he says, even in the mess here, even in the brokenness, God's faithfulness God is faithful. See, here's, here's what we need to know is that God is faithful to his promises, not to our preferences. Okay, God is faithful to his promises, not to our preferences and what we think he should be doing. Sometimes we have the wrong expectations of God. I love a story that, that Pastor Chuck tells about a newlywed couple that he worked with where uh, they, they had a you know, great preparation for their wedding, and then they, they had their wedding, and they went on their honeymoon. And then they came back, and, and the week after their honeymoon, woke up on Monday morning, and husband wakes up to, to go to work. And he actually has the expectation that his wife is going to get up and make this breakfast for him. And not just any breakfast, but like a gourmet breakfast. I mean, she's going to make like pancakes sausage, eggs, bacon, I mean, the whole nine yards, juice, you know, and bring it to him in bed. He had this ex expectation because that's what his mom did. Every day of, their, of his parents' marriage, she would get up. Some of you are rumbling and stuff like you've never experienced anything like this before. So his mom would get up every morning, make this breakfast, bring it to his dad in, in bed. And so he naturally expected this is the way things go. And so he got up and on Monday morning, there was no breakfast. His wife was still in bed and he's thinking, maybe she's not feeling well. Maybe she's tired, you know, from the honeymoon and gets up on Tuesday and there's still no breakfast. And now he's like having to, like, how do you even make toast? I don't know how this works. And so by the end of the week, he's, he's like, we got we to gotta talk about this, honey. I mean, what, what's wrong with you? What? And she's looking at him like, what's wrong with you? 
I mean, you have an expectation. I mean, I stood in front of people and I made promises to you, but I didn't promise you to make no gourmet breakfast and I'm, I'm not doing that. And so his expectations had to adjust. And here's the thing. Sometimes you and I go to God and we're like, God, what's wrong with you? Do you see what's going on in my life? Do you see this broken? Why aren't you fixing this? Shouldn't this be going more smoothly? And God's saying, what's, what's wrong with you? I never promised that. I promised some things, and I'll keep my word of what I promised, but I'm not going to keep your preferences. So you better get clear on what God has and hasn't promised, because he'll keep his word. He's just not going to do necessarily what you think he should do. And one of the things that he does, and one of the things that he's doing as we look here at Lamentations is he's keeping his promise to discipline. Sometimes the difficulty we experience in life is discipline that God is bringing on us because he tells us, if you're my son, if you're my daughter, if you're part of my family and you're out of line, I'm gonna bring discipline into your life and, and that will be difficult because God is interested in our life change. I mean, that's one of our core values as a church. God's not interested in leaving us the way we are. He's interested in growing us and changing us. And sometimes that path is really difficult. And sometimes, as in Jeremiah's case here, he's experiencing difficulty because of discipline that really is somebody else's discipline. I mean, Jeremiah didn't worship a different God. He was faithful to the real God, but the people around him were unfaithful. And so he's getting some fallout from discipline that wasn't even meant for him. And that's gonna happen for us sometimes in life, but it doesn't mean that God is not keeping his promise. In fact, it probably means he is. So we can sink in our circumstances or we can focus on God's faithfulness. So let me encourage you to do a couple of things in light of that, actually three things. I wanna encourage you to become more and more familiar with God's promises. So as you are reading his word, as you are getting up every morning and feeding truth into your mind, as you come across promises that just resonate with your heart, those are things to hold on to. This is God's word. This is God's promise that he has made, and it is certain. And so I'm going to call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. So, so you're watching promises that God has made in Scripture, and then start keeping track of how God is keeping those promises in your life. We used to have a, a promise jar in our kitchen. And so when God would keep a promise, when we would, especially when we were going through something that was really tough, if we had a bill that we just couldn't pay or some situation in our life that was just beyond us, and we would just pray, God, do something uh, we, we need you. We need you right now. We can't bail ourselves out of this. We need you to come bail us out. And then when he did, we'd write that down. We'd write down the date, and here was the circumstance, and here was the situation. Here was how God provided. We put that in that jar. And it, it was great to be able to go back to that over time. And then when we had the next thing that we were tempted to not believe God for, to go back to that jar and be able to pull something out and say, oh, yeah, I remember. God came through before. He'll do it. He'll do it again. And so then as you're feeding more and more truth into your mind, more and more promises into your mind, and you're seeing God work those out in your life, then let those inform your prayers. See, when we pray, sometimes we just pray the stuff that we want. But if we pray the stuff that God has said, 
he, he will follow through on those things. Let me give you an example of one that I have been praying here recently. Okay, 2 Peter 1, 3 says, says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him, the knowledge of Christ, who called us to his own glory and excellence. So I've been praying this. I've been personalizing. Here's how I personalize it. God, your divine power has granted to me everything that pertains to my life and godliness. Notice it doesn't say to my comfort and my preferences, but it says that everything that is needed for my life and to do life right, God has made available to me. So therefore, my resources are not exhausted. I have everything available to me through my knowledge of Christ who called me to his own glory and excellence. So Jesus, I want to know you better because it's through knowing you better that I understand that I have all the resources that I need to face anything that you allow into my path. So that's praying God's promises back to him. And then when I get in those situations where I'm not seeing that happening and I'm like, wow, I don't, I don't see this right now. I, don't, I do not know how you're going to move this mountain. But God, you say your divine power has provided all of it. So I'm going to trust that. It, it must be for, for certain. So I'm going to give us a chance to, to interact a little bit with promises here by, by doing this. Here's what we're going to do. There's an there's a index card on your seat when you came in, and there should be some pens floating around, maybe close to those Bibles if you don't have your own pen. But in just a few minutes, we're going to run some promises from God's word on the screen. And they're gonna come up on the screen and they're gonna come and go pretty quickly. So you're not gonna have enough time to write the whole verse down. But here's what I want you to do. Considering your situation, what's going on in your life right now, as you look around at the ruins and the surroundings, the circumstances that are around you, and you're needing a promise to hold on to, as a promise comes up that resonates for you and you say, I need that one then just write down the address of it. Write down the, the book where it's found and the, the verse number where it's found, the chapter and the verse. Just write that down. And then later on, you can take a Bible and you can go back and you can write the whole verse out. And then take that verse with you this week. Put it in your wallet. Put it in your car dash. Not in front of your view. Put it on your car dash. Put it on your mirror at home where you're uh, shaving, putting on makeup, wherever. Put it somewhere where it's going to remind you so that you can call this to mind and therefore have hope. And so it can begin to inform your prayers. So you can pray back to God, here's what you promised to me. And so I believe that you're going to do it. Interesting note as, as we close here, the, the word, the Hebrew word for faithfulness gets transliterated into the Greek as amen, which of course comes to us in English as what? Amen. So remember what the core meaning of the word faithfulness is? Certainty. So when you say amen at the end of your prayer, it's not just a sign off. Okay, it's not just a signal to God, I'm done now, okay, over and out. That's not, that's not what it means. What it means is, God, what I have just prayed according to your will and according to your promise, I am certain will come to pass because I believe in your faithfulness to keep your word. Let's pray. Father, 
we are grateful to be introduced to a God who always keeps his word because the people in our lives, um, even the best of people in our lives are not 100% faithful to keep their word all the time. And so our experience is that nobody really keeps their word all the time and no one can be fully trusted and yet you are like no one else we know. You are always faithful to what you have promised. So Father, open our eyes to see what you have promised, to believe in what you have promised, to believe that all of your promises are, are yes to us in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, we want to cling on to those, and we want to see you work your, your will in our lives, through our lives, even through the difficult circumstances of our lives, even when we're looking at circumstances that look like ruins, Lord, we want to cling to your truth so that we can say with Jeremiah, this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Great is your faithfulness. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.